Hello everyone, welcome to the first episode of Serial for Dinner, a podcast dedicated to our startup stories and entrepreneurial struggles. I'm Louis de Kaiser, the founder and ex-CEO of Tiny House Belgium, and now pursuing my next business venture in New York City. And this is Kamar Foster. Uh, would you mind starting out with um, talking a little bit more about your company and what you do and that kind of stuff? Hey everyone, I'm Kamar Foster, the founder and CEO of Gift Match Me, the world's first gift relationship management platform. Gift Match Me is a cloud-based software that generate specific gift recommendations for retailers as customers. One of the things I realized uh, is that retailers aren't really aligning their specific incentives. You know, like they're always trying to sell, 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 sell without really understanding what it is that I want as a customer, especially when I'm looking for gifts for someone that I really care about. And since I'm a terrible gift giver, I would definitely like a more seamless process where I would be able to find the right gift for the individual that I care about, while also understanding my thought, my process, my thought process during the gift giving process. And uh, what I realized is that retailers were also losing billions of dollars every single year from gifts that are returned because they weren't really aligning their incentives with, uh, you know, with the customer, with the customer like me. Um, so we would return the gifts. And uh, again, it was just because they weren't understanding us as, a, as people, as individuals. And uh, what we want to do is we just want to be able to create a unique personalization platform that will help retailers to generate these specific gift recommendations while also helping them to streamline the product flow. They'll be able to manage the products and their customers in a more efficient way with our software. Yeah, so Lewis, what are you currently building? I know you're currently working on a project in New York. What is what is that? Yeah, so I'm in an interesting position right now. My, I'd say my career started uh, with a business in Belgium that I had called Tiny House Belgium. And what we did was we built small little houses on wheels. So literally like 24 by 8 feet, so really small. And I did that for a year, a year and a half. And it went really well, but I had this dream of moving to New York City because I'd been here before and I just love this place. and. We're both here right now as well. And I've just been like, going back and forth to see like, what it is I like about this space and what I'm good at and like what I want to do. And then about a month ago, I came back to New York because I recently moved to Toronto so that I could go back and forth easier, uh, more easily. And I came here with a, a new business idea called UMS or Urban Makerspace. And the plan was to rent out a big industrial building that's about six to 8,000 square feet and makes some type of we work for woodworkers and metal workers and creatives. And that's that's a concept I've been working on for a couple of months, but then recently it turned out that makerspaces in general, they exist, but most of them are nonprofits or are sponsored by a big corporation and don't, they don't have to make money. But both of those situations are not really something I'm looking for personally. So right now I'm in the process of um, figuring out what I'm gonna do next because I know that this business idea is not going to go anywhere and I'm I'm looking into what I could do in Europe or how I could make my way back to New York eventually um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now sort of like just go into a little bit of what we are looking to intentionally do with this podcast I it, it's a great premise to sort of like talk about 
what our goal is with this podcast. How about you just get right into that, Louis? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think we both have very entrepreneurial tendencies and we want to both document and share our successes and struggles in the process of starting a company. And I think it's also interesting because we have very different products. We're very different age and a different background. He's in hardware, uh, I'm in hardware, he's in software. So I think those are very interesting. Um, so it's, we're at the intersection of hardware and software, you know, right. it's uh, sharing ideas, you know, he's able to look at things from an architectural perspective, from a design perspective, while I'm able to conceptualize and visualize problems and solutions uh, from a software perspective. So I think it's a really great, it's great coming together and then being able to share ideas, which is why I think this podcast is going to be great. Today specifically, we would like to talk about building a team and how we've gone about that in the past and how we're doing that right now. And then also having the right people around you and how important that is. Awesome. So uh, I think having a good team is, is like crucial to success, right? Especially if you're in a situation, let's say like me personally, I'm, I'm not the hands-on tech guy. I'm not the engineer. So I'm not able to build out the product. Um, and one of the things is we have to build out the product to be able to bring it to market so that our customers can try it and tell us exactly what it is they want or if it's something that they even want, right? I could learn how to code or I could just stay in with my strengths. You know, I'm really great at selling. I'm a, I'm a business development guy. And uh, you, I'm just look really focused on trying to find someone who is dedicated to be able to do the coding for me while contributing um, on a more deeper level with the company. Um, so how about you, Louis? Like, what, what, what are your thoughts? Like, have you ever worked with a team? Uh, yeah, I did, I did work with a team, um, especially I used a lot of freelancers because I knew that I wanted to uh, scale what I was doing and I knew that building these houses wouldn't be something I can do by myself. Um, but then on the other hand, I also knew that New York City was still a goal of mine and I didn't know how long this business was going to exist. So like hiring people was just not an option for me. Um, and so at the beginning, we used a lot of subcontractors who, like for example, we, we would um, subcontract a roof and so that I didn't have to worry about it um, or like doing the, the facade or installing the windows and th so those were all different people. And then on the other hand, um, we also had suppliers who played a crucial role into what we were doing and that, that was like the toughest relation we had. Right. Like finding the right suppliers and making sure that they deliver because uh, you have no control over that, right? And yeah, yeah, it's often tough to find people who are as devoted to the company and the company's vision as you are. And that's something I've always struggled with because for me, if a carpenter, for example, would come up to me and say like, hey, I want to work with you. For me, it would matter if they did it just to get another job or if they actually supported the concept of tiny houses or smaller living in general. Um, and that, that's something that I always had struggled with. And I, I'm not sure if that's really important, but it feels very important to me. What do you think about that? No, I think it's definitely important. And just to kind of piggyback off of you as well, I've had that issue where I... You know, I've worked with, with individuals before who, you know, promised delivery but couldn't really deliver and uh, would cause a lot of setbacks. Have, you know, me having to pivot and try to figure out what the next move is, which is a key thing in entrepreneurship, is being able to pivot when as necessary because you never know what's going to happen. Again, like I've, I've been in the situation now that I have to be able to find someone that's going to be able to execute on the level that I need them to execute. 
with the, with the minimal resources, which means that to sort of go off of what Lewis says, it's really hard to find people that are going to buy into your mission, but if it was easy, everyone would be doing it, right? Right. <laughs> to go into it, I think the questions that we have to ask ourselves, right? Like, how do you decide who's the right person to join your team? That's the first thing that you need to really have down. Um, I guess you can kick it off. Um, so I went into it a little bit in the previous uh, question, but like, for me, it's really important that they understand where the company wants to wants to go to or what the, the company's vision is and what their long-term ideas are. And if they're aligned with that and they're good at what they're doing, then I think they're a good fit. But it's just expectations in general. That's like the one word I would use, expectations, and be clear on what your expectations are, but also from uh, make sure that from that potential team member, you know what their expectations are. And as long as those are aligned, I think you, things will work out fine. Um, but that's something that a lot of people are really bad at because often startup founders they don't know what they're expecting from their or what they can expect from their team members right so i, I guess that's my biggest point what, what, what would you add to that yeah for me i think really finding out the person's why right and before you before you can find out the person's why you have to have a solid why for yourself and for your company i agree right that's what's the mission what is the, what are you passionate about why are you building this company if you can align your why with the person that you're looking to work with, then that's the first step in deciding if that person is the right person. The next, the next step is skill sets. What are you good at? Like most people are good at two to three things at most. You need to be so self-aware that when you're when you're interviewing people or you're looking to bring someone on, you have to know exactly what it is that you want. Do they have the two or three things that supplement you? that can help you and your business to grow. Um, those are some tangible things. You're gonna be spending more time with this person than you probably would with a spouse. Right. <laughs> Cause you're building a business, you're building a, a, a startup. So is this person compatible in the sense that you're able to work with them um, on, a, on a consistent basis uh, without getting annoyed? Because there are times, times are gonna come when you're gonna get annoyed. And and at this time, how big of a team do you have or how many people are involved directly or indirectly with your company? Yeah, so now we have three people that are directly involved in the company. Right now, I am looking for a technical co-founder, um, full-time, who's willing to bring you know their, their skill sets to the table to help me to build out the company. Um, um, so now we're just focused on building a solid team around us to be able to go and execute. And do you think you need that team before you get started or is this something that you get into eventually? Because like in the beginning, you might not even know what skills you need in order to achieve your business goals, right? Right, yeah, so there are certain skills that you, skill sets in individuals that you would need to move from point A to point B. The thing is I could go and learn how to code, right? I did point that out, but to develop the technology that I'm looking to develop, to bring to market would take years to become a master at, right? I mean, I, could, I can take the classes to understand the fundamentals so that I'm able to communicate that with the engineer that I'm working on. So that's something that I'm working on doing right now is to take a couple of classes uh, CSS, HTML. Yeah, I think that's crucial that as a founder or the CEO, 
um, that at least you know what the processes look like or what the work that they need to do looks like and how that, that normally works. Um, so that's definitely something that, you know, before you start, when you're starting out, you need to learn about, even though you're not going to be the full-time CTO or the full-time tech guy or tech engineer um, or coder, like you still need to know what it is that they need to do and understand like how much time things take and stuff like that. Exactly. Right. So again, a lot of people have been burned in the, in the, in the startup space where they didn't know anything you know, in terms of the coding and everything like that, which caused them to waste a lot of time, lose a lot of money, because development costs a lot of money. And if you don't know exactly what it is that you're looking for, you will fall flat on your face. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of entrepreneurship is failing fast, but if you can figure out a way to not mess up as much, then you're already ahead of the curve. It's funny because in hardware you have the same thing. Like when we were building houses, my background was in carpentry and in woodworking. So I knew how to build a house, how to build a structure. Right. That was easy. Like we did that in a day. But then like we have one example of installing a skylight, which we'd never done before. We could do it ourselves and it would take like three or four days because mm -hmm. there are two different skylights and then there's certain roofing that's not compatible with those skylights and it takes forever to figure shit out. But then if you're hiring someone out, they come in and they're done after four hours because they've done it so many times, right? That's right. the only thing they do every day. So it's like recognizing what you're good at and what you're not good at, and then, you know, being humble enough to, to hire or outsource certain things. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, to sort of just, you know, keep going here, how do you build like, that network of people, you know, who are in the same mindset, that who has the same mindset as you? Like, how do you go about doing that? Like, me personally, I had to start from scratch here in New York, right? Because I'm from Belgium and I lived there 18 years of my life and I'd never been here before. So I didn't know anyone, which in a way makes it easier because then you really know consciously, like, okay, I need to meet other people because, you know, you can't live by yourself. <laughs> um, so so that made it a little easier, but like, I just knew that whenever or whatever you want to do, like, you need to find other people that understand what that thing is you want to do. Yeah, I guess like, you just need to meet a whole bunch of people um, that are not necessarily doing the same thing like you don't have to be building houses as well because like me and Kumar are totally different like we're doing totally different things but we understand the same or we have the same struggles in a way and the same um, yeah the same motivations also that question is a huge one right there I mean the answer the response is you just have to throw yourself out there um, it's it might be uncomfortable at first if you're not a explorative type of person if you're not uh, if you don't like to go to meetups, you have to go. You have to start going to meetups. You have to start contacting people on LinkedIn, people that you believe you can learn from, and uh, reach out to those individuals that you think will be able to help you to formulate the mindset that you want to f that you want to formulate and you want to embody. At the same time, you have to give up <laughs> a lot of the interactions that aren't leading you to where you want to go as well, which is probably the hardest part. Yeah, of that whole thing. Yeah, I yeah. so agree because when I left Belgium, I literally left. Like, I, I shut down everything that was happening there. And I was by myself for like at least six months, just by myself. And in a way, I think that's better than being around the wrong people. Step one, if you're feeling that your environment isn't supportive or that you're not thriving within uh, the environment you're in now, I think step one is leaving that environment. It's just, you have to do that for yourself. And it's super tough, but this is like, like we both know Gary Vaynerchuk very well, right? 
And one thing he says is, if you're in a bad environment, put in your headphones and listen to positivity all day. And that, that's literally what I did. Like I, I left my environment uh, mentally and physically by coming here, by coming to New York. And I think that's so crucial in order to get started on building those new relationships. And it also pushes yourself to go seek those new relationships, right? Because there is no one left. And you gotta be okay with feeling like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways. What I mean, idiot, is just, you know, you may be, you may have to put yourself in a situation where you don't know a lot, but then you have to be open-minded in the sense that you want to learn as much as possible. And if you think about it, like if you're in a situation where you, you feel uncomfortable or dumb or like you don't know anything, like that's the situation you want to be in because that's the only situation you can learn from. Exactly. If you're in a room where um, you're bored because you know everything, then it's time to get out. Exactly. So I mean, what made you take the leap of faith? You, you, did, you did point out that we, we do have a couple of years in between us, but what made you take a leap of faith in entrepreneurship? When I look around, and I don't know if this is a Belgian thing or just in general society, but I saw a lot of people within my circles who were incredibly unhappy and very settled. Like they had a stable life, stable income, but then they had a mortgage of 30 years and three kids and you know a car that they had to pay for. And I just didn't really get the point of that. Especially like when I started traveling or uh, when I started my business and when I did all these like uh, non-standard things or however you want to define them, uh, I started getting responses of like, oh, you know, like I wanted to do that when I was 16 or and I never did or I wanted to do that when I was 22 or I almost hopped on a plane but then I didn't and I hear all these stories and that just enforces it for me because I see all these people living their lives but for what? And I, I didn't want to be in that same boat so I, I decided to like give it a try and then entrepreneurship was one thing but then moving to a different country was another. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, I just think it's worth it, especially if you're young. Like, even if I do everything wrong in the next 10 years, I'll still be 30, which is like being a baby, right? Because you still have 70 years to go. So I'm not too worried about it. I start, I guess, I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's been a couple of years. I think it really started when I went to the Peace Corps right after college. Um, you know, I was in Rwanda for year and year and year and seven, eight months, I believe. And uh, I, you know, co-founded, started something there, like started like this co-op with another volunteer. And uh, that's when I really f got into entrepreneurship, like on the ground, you know, being able to build, being able to help build something and came back to the US because I realized, you know, reality is, you know, you sort of have to, if you really want something in life, you have to go and get it. You know, what I was really trying to figure out how to go and do that, you know, especially since I was out of the I was out of the U.S. for a while, um, so I had to reestablish myself. You know, I was teaching. You know, I was teaching in schools, um, at organizations, and uh, I wasn't happy. I was I was unfulfilled. Like my life, I was you know going through the motions every single day. Even though I was making okay money, not anything crazy. I mean, teachers don't get paid a lot these days. Um, we're making okay money, just enough to to survive and to live and I decided I needed to take that leap. I needed to dive in. So I had an idea, um, an ice cream delivery service business, <laughs> you know, quit my job, went straight into that. I was, you know, delivery, you know, I learned everything I was delivering, like ice cream during, you know, during the evenings and then, you know, handing out flyers, just trying to make it happen 
for me in some senses. Um, made a couple of made a lot of mistakes on the ground there. Trusted a lot of people, you know, to get certain things done. But I also learned a lot, which is what I take away from that. And it sort of like helped me to really realize that this is what I should be doing. And uh, to kind of like sustain myself for a while, like I, you know, was working at Yelp, you know, basically selling Yelp advertising every day, reaching out to small business owners. And uh, I learned how to sell. A lot of people think selling is just sleazy or, you know, like the outreaching, doing all that stuff. But I really did develop the grit and the tenacity and the persistence to just keep going. Um, even though you're hearing no like a hundred times a day from people. I just want to add, um, yeah. taking that leap of faith is one thing I did before, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but mm -hmm. is to calculate your risk. I, I always have a plan in place of how far can I go. Mm. Um, I don't know if you do this too, but like literally I know when I'm here, uh, I'm not like about mortgages and debt and I've never had it in my life and I never want it. <laughs> um, but I, I just calculate or think that I can go to literally $200 on my bank account and when I'm at that point I need to fly back to Europe because then, <laughs> then I'm screwed. Um, but th that's just something that's in my mind and I know that I'll just keep pushing and pushing whatever that I'm doing here and if it doesn't work out and I go, and I go to down to 200 on my bank account then I'll fly back and I'll just get a bullshit job in Belgium which isn't that hard um, or I get a job in carpentry because I have a portfolio for that stuff so it's not that hard either uh, and, the, and the economy is pretty good these days so uh, I'm not too worried and I guess that's like something before you start like know how far you can go or be humble enough to know that it might not work out and then to to you know re-evaluate re and restart in a way exactly i totally totally am right there with you um a lot of times pushed it to the limit taken you know taking risks <laughs> it's 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 just really interesting that you brought up that point at this moment because it is expensive guys it is expensive <laughs> it, entrepreneurship is no joke you have to have some sort of capital some kind of runway to make things happen if you don't you fall flat on your face. Yeah, you also don't realize when there's no fresh money coming in, <laughs> how fast your bank account will go down. Oh yeah. That's like, even that is just a challenge that I live for. Cause you, you start to learn how, or yeah, like how to manage money really well. And you get really good at managing money, trust yeah. me. Yeah. You know, we, don't, we, can go into the, we can go into that in more details in the next episode, but- um, We shouldn't. <laughs> but that is, that is huge. How does team, like how does team fit into this? If we didn't have someone, or if we, don't have, if we didn't have like a specific team member along the journey, in this case, not having team members or, or, or advisors or anything like that, you would fall flat on your face. Because all the things that we're talking about, you know, getting on the ground, going, building, um, trying to make things work and happen, if you don't have like a strong support network, which you do get from your team, a lot of people will quit, which is another which is another value point that you need to look for when you're looking for someone. Do they have the tenacity to go along with you along the journey? Are they committed to that journey that you're currently on? Even in the beginning, you're because you're talking about a support network and how important that is and how a team can provide that, definitely. Um, but if you're starting out, most of us are not going to have a team, right? Because you need some momentum and you need to show them what you're doing physically for other people in order to come in. Most of the time. Like if you're lucky, you can find 
you know, your, your cousin or your brother who also loves it or something. And that, that's great, but most of us, they start out by themselves. And then it's just important to find other people who can provide a support network. And it could be friends, could be family. In, in my case, it wasn't uh, really family until I built my first house. And it's something architects talk about too. Like an architect is not going to get commissioned to design a house before they build a house. It's interesting. And I think that's a, a problem a lot of companies have is they have to show something before they have the resources to make that one thing. So it's it's cultivating that relationship, being in the right place at the right time. You know, we I think we kind of talked about luck, Louis, and just finding and finding the right people. You know, sometimes it's, it just comes down to you can work really, really hard. You can be gritty and get in, get in the dredges and make everything work for you. But you have to realize that you can't build. The reason why the word company is called company is in company of others. Right. Like you need people to be able to fulfill or pursue that dream that you may have. Maybe to wrap up, do we want to end off with giving some like techniques that we've used to identify slash find those people or find the right people to have as a support network or as a team member. So for me personally, LinkedIn has been a tremendous tool that is very underutilized because literally you can look up every company on the, pl on the face of the planet and see who works there. That's something I've been doing for the last, I would say, year, seriously. And um, I just look at all the companies that I admire or that are in the same industry or that are in a very niche industry that I would like to know more about. And I hit up 20 people within that company and I tell them like, hey, thanks for connecting with me. This is what I'm doing. This is what I did before. And I'd love your thoughts on my current project. And then, you know, let me know if you want to meet for coffee or lunch or whatever. And it just works. It works really well because those people are not used to getting messages like that. And to even just in general to get someone to respect who they are and what they do is very valuable to them. And uh, yeah, that's just a way to meet people that are completely outside of your, of your circles which is interesting. So they give you a very fresh perspective. They, they didn't know you before, they, didn't, they don't know your history. So you really get a raw answer on whatever it is that you wanna know from them. So that's one thing I've done. And then second, if you're in a place like New York City, they have apps here like Eventbrite and Meetup and stuff like that. Just Meetup has more than 5,000 events every week. So there is no reason for you to not go there. Like the least you can get out of it is free pizza, which is amazing. Um, but these meetups exist of like 10 to 20 to 100 to 1,000 people and it's just up to you to go there, uh, get off your couch and you know talk to people there, which that's how I met like some of my best friends here is on those meetups that we're talking two years after that, that one meetup happened. Everything that he's saying is definitely true. You know, you have to reach out to individuals, but my approach is think back of all the interactions and engagements that you've had with people. Um, it could be from school, from college, uh, programs that you've been in, uh, and uh, evaluate why you like, why you liked talking with that person, why you are friends with that person. Look at where they are currently, look at the skills that you need for your business, identify, see if you know, reach out to them, invite them out for coffee, catch up, see if, they're, if the rapport is still there that you had with that individual. Keep talking with them, you know, don't bring up your business right away. Just see if there is chemistry there. Then after you do that, you talk to them about your business, see how excited they get. If they get excited about it, 
then there's a potential partnership there. Yeah, that's fascinating because you're talking about like think about who's already in your network or who could potentially have been in your network before and you know introduce them to what you're doing now. And then I, I'm like more starting from scratch because I just got here a year ago, right? Right. And I mean, I do both. I do both. So yeah. I, because I don't, uh, a lot of people that I know um, weren't in the entrepreneurial space. So I had to go out there and do the exact same thing that Lewis is talking about. But if you really want to build something sustainable, not that you can't do that at all with people that you just meet. It takes some time to establish a relationship. It takes time to establish trust. That's why they always talk about friends and family, right? Like, who do you have in your network? But if you don't have that in your network, you do have to go the route, which I've done both. Go the route of establishing or just going out and meeting people that you have no idea. You don't, you don't, you don't know where they're coming from. You don't know their stories, but you're setting yourself on a mission to learning a lot about them. Right. And uh, I think that's a good way to go about it. And Do both if you can. Right. Yeah, I agree. And then what you're saying about like trusts or establishing trust takes time. I guess I'm slightly different on that because for me, trust is given. Mm-hmm. Like if someone is interested and I, I, I feel like it's right, I just give them trust. And then if they mess with it, it's gone. And then it's gone forever. Mm-hmm. So you got to be like very fast in that. Because if they betray your trust once, there's a good chance they'll do it again. Yeah, then it's just over for me. And I've been there a couple of times that I was working here with, uh, with startups specifically. And they betrayed my trust. And then, you know, it's just over. I leave the next day. Then it's done for me. So I guess that's something to be mindful of. Right. Trust is very fragile. That's one of the things that you do not want to break. I'm looking forward to moving forward with this podcast. And uh, this is the first episode of Cereal for Dinner. I look forward to engaging with you guys more. My name is Kamara Foster. And I'm Louis. And also, if you have any questions for us for the next episode that you'd like to see answered, let us know. And we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Signing off.